Let's turn in the Catechism to Lord's Day 25. Lord's Day 25. I want to read two question and answers from there regarding the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 25, question and answer 65. It is by faith alone that we share in Christ and all his benefits. Where then does that faith come from? The Holy Spirit works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it by the use of the Holy Sacraments. Then jump to 67. Are both the Word and the Sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and confirms by the holy sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. And then if you'll turn in the Word of God to the Gospel according to John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. And I'll begin reading at verse 15 and read to the end of the chapter. We're continuing our series this evening on the Spirit. And we're looking at the Spirit as the paraclete. And that's the Greek word translated as helper. In verse 16 and in verse 26. So listen, this is the word of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them... He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Thus far the reading of God's Word. A few weeks ago, one of my dear friends from Scotland visited us for the wedding of our son. And already before he arrived, I was thinking about his leaving and knowing how difficult it would be to say goodbye to him. I assumed that we would have a wonderful time, we would be able to rekindle our affection that we so joyously shared together for many years in Scotland. And as you say goodbye to someone you love, you always want to know when you will see one another again. And if you can plan that you'll see each other in just a few months or maybe within a couple years, that takes away the pain of departure. Well, that's what was happening here for the disciples of our Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus had told them that he was going to go away. He had spent three years with him. They had never been absent from his presence for long. They would walk with him and talk with him. They would observe him as he engaged with other people. They would listen to his teaching. They would probably have slept in the same room as him and have eaten their meals with him. That's the way disciples and masters worked in those days. But now he was going to go away. And as Jesus tells them that he's going away, prior to his going away, he says something else. He says, I am going away, but if you turn over to John 16, verse 16, you'll see that Jesus was going to come back. A little while, he says, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. In fact, Jesus says that his going away, John 16, verse 7, is going to be to their advantage, because if he does not go away, the Helper will not come to them. And so what you see here is that Jesus going away and the Helper's coming, the Spirit's arrival, hinge on one another. And so Jesus is going to go away, but he is also going to come back. Now, what does that mean? Well, perhaps I can answer that in a series of questions. Is Jesus going away after spending three years with his disciples? Yes, that's what he says. Is Jesus coming back? And the answer is again, yes, that's what he says. But when is he coming back? Well, undoubtedly, he's going to come back at the end of the ages, at the second coming, when he returns again in glory with all his holy angels. Is that the coming back that Jesus is speaking about here? No. 
So when is Jesus going to come back? He is going to come back on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus goes up, the Spirit comes down. And when the Spirit comes to the church, is poured out on the church, Jesus says, that is when I will come back to the church. Jesus is saying that he's going to come back not in his physical body as he was when he first came, but he's going to come back to the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that the day of Pentecost, this is important, for the day of Pentecost is really the return of Christ to his church. And this is what I want to look at this evening as our Lord Jesus tells us about the paraclete. He says this in verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, a paraclete, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Jesus comes back to his church in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, what is a paraclete? It is, as J.I. Packer says, a difficult word to translate, and no English, one English word can capture the, the, the full meaning of paraclete. That's why in the NIV, or in the ESV that we're using this evening, they give three possible translations, helper in the text, and then in the footnote, you could also translate it as advocate or counselor. But the paraclete is a person who comes alongside of someone to help them in their need or to aid them in their defense. The word paraclete is made up of two Greek words, para meaning come alongside, and kletos or cleat meaning I call. And so the point is that the paraclete is someone that you would call to come alongside of you in order to help you in whatever particular situation you find yourself in. That's why the ESV translates it helper. The paraclete is someone you would call to come alongside of you, to comfort you, to strengthen you in your need. That's why the King James translates it as comforter. But the paraclete in Jesus' day is really a law term. The trials in Jesus' day were not conducted so much by lawyers who represented either the prosecution or the defense. Rather, trials were presided over by a judge, and then he would be able, or he would attempt to determine the truth on the basis of people coming to be witnesses. And so if you were the accused, you would call alongside you someone who knew you well, someone who could either be an eyewitness to you to defend that you were not there when the crime was supposedly to have taken place, or someone who would be a character witness for you, someone who could testify to the judge as to your character so that it would seem absolutely ludicrous that this charge that is levied against you is at all in any way true. And so the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and who testifies, who witnesses to Jesus Christ. In fact, you can see this in John 15, verse 26, where Jesus says, but when the helper, the paraclete, comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. Listen to what the the work of the paraclete is. He will bear witness about 
me. So that the primary work, the premier work of the Holy Spirit is to testify to Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done. And of course, the Spirit is supremely qualified to do that because as Luke's gospel reminds us, Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as the Gospels remind us that Jesus carried out his ministry in the power of the Spirit, because at his baptism, the Spirit came upon him in the shape of a dove. And after his baptism, it was the Spirit who drove the Lord Jesus into the wilderness. It was the Spirit who empowered Jesus to be uh, preaching the Gospel, the good news to the poor. It was the Spirit who enabled Jesus Uh, to carry out the miracles as testimonies to who he himself was. And so the work of the paraclete, the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the premier work of the Spirit is to testify about Jesus Christ. And you can see this in another way by noticing what Jesus says in John 14, verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, that is, when he goes away, he will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another helper or another paraclete to be with you forever. Now, in the Greek, and I understand that this uh, sermon has more references to Greek than uh, the sermons of any month of my ministry in the past, but it's important. So, in the Greek, there are two words for another. Sinclair Ferguson, in his recent podcast on the work of the Spirit in Things Unseen, he illustrates it this way, the the Greek use of the word another. Imagine there's a little boy, and there are little boys here, who are given a cookie, a chocolate chip cookie, by their mother. And they eat that cookie, and they ask their mother for another cookie. That is, one just like the one they had, because they liked it so much. But imagine the child doesn't like chocolate chip cookies. And so the mother gives him a chocolate chip cookie. He takes a bite out of it. He grimaces. And he says, can I have another cookie? What he means there is not another cookie just like the one you gave me, but a completely other cookie. I don't want a chocolate chip cookie. I want an Oreo instead. So there's two uses of the same word another. Another could be one just like the last one or one that's completely different than the last one. And when Jesus says here that when he goes to the Father, the Father will give you another paraclete, another helper, he's saying that this Spirit who's going to come is of the same kind as Jesus is So that Jesus is the first paraclete. That's what Jesus is saying. And when the Spirit comes, another one is going to come, another who is very similar to me. And so as you read through the New Testament Scriptures, you you find that the Spirit has a very similar ministry to Jesus Christ the Son. Of course, not the same ministry at all. Because the, the, the Lord Jesus is the one who shed his blood and gave his life on Calvary. And that's not what the Spirit does. But the Spirit's ministry is so similar to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are so intricately tied together 
that the Apostle Paul can say something quite astonishing in 2 Corinthians 3. Listen to what he says here. Now the Lord, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now you see what Paul is saying here. The Lord is the Spirit. Now he's not suggesting at all that there are only two persons in the Trinity, the Father and the Son slash Spirit. No, there are three persons in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But because the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of Christ are, are so intricately connected, inseparably bound together, Paul can say that the Lord Jesus is the Spirit. And Jesus can say, I will go to the Father and I will ask the Father and he will send another paraclete, one just like me. And this comes out in John's gospel, the similarity between the ministries of the Lord Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in an interesting way in John's gospel. It's the Father who sent the the Son. It's also the Father who sent the Spirit. Jesus is the truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth who leads Christians into the truth. Jesus is the teacher of his disciples. The paraclete comes to teach them further. Jesus is the witness whom God has sent. The paraclete is sent into the world to be a witness. The world does not know or accept Jesus, nor does the world know or accept the paraclete. Jesus goes to the Father in order to prepare a dwelling place for the disciples. The paraclete comes from the Father in order to prepare a dwelling place for the Father and the Son in believers. So that Jesus and the Spirit, both of them are divine homemakers. The point that I'm making with these references is that virtually everything that is said about the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John has been said about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because their ministries are so closely connected, they are inseparably bound. So that Jesus can say, I'm going to ask the Father and he will send you another paraclete, one just like me. And that paraclete, he says in John 14, verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name comes to you as my spokesperson and my representative. So that if you understand what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit, then you can understand what he's saying when he says, I will go away, but then I will come to you. In fact, I will come to you even while I am away with my Father in heaven. Just look at what he says there in verse 18 and 19 of chapter 14 of John's Gospel. 
I will not leave you as orphans. So he's going to go away, but he will not leave them as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Now, how will we see the Lord Jesus? We will see the Lord Jesus, Jesus says, because the Father is going to send another paraclete, someone like me, to be with you. You can well imagine how lovely it would be to have Jesus with us, to have him knock on our door and walk in, to embrace us, to shake our hands. It would be lovely to eat with him, to see him interact with others, to hear his teaching live, to be front row seat to all his interactions with others. You can see why so many of us Christians look back to the times when the Lord Jesus was on earth and say, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful to have been there in those days? But Jesus is saying, actually, it's better for you that I go. It's to your advantage that you do not live with me physically present with you. It's to your advantage that I go to the Father. In fact, because I go to the Father, you will not see me on the one hand. But on the other hand, because I go to the Father, you will see me. Because I go to the Father, you will not see me with physical eyes. But because I go to the Father and will send the Spirit, you will see me with spiritual eyes. And your insights and your grasp of who I am will be even greater than they would be had I remained physically on earth. You see, our Lord Jesus is in heaven right now. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He's in heaven in His human body. And His human body, because it's like our body, can only be in one place at a time. So it is in heaven now and cannot be physically on earth. But if it were physically on earth and say the Lord Jesus visited us here in Trinity this evening, that would mean that he wouldn't be able to visit someone else at the same time in the same city because he can only be in one place at a time. But now with the Spirit coming, Jesus can be with all his people throughout all the world at all times, because the Spirit, unlike Jesus, is not limited by a human body. The Spirit is Spirit, and so can be in all places and at all times, at all times. That's the power of the Spirit. And so Jesus points that out to us in John 14, verse 17, when he says, "'You know Him.'" at the end. That is, you know the Spirit. I will send the Spirit, or the Father will send the Spirit. The world does not know Him. The world cannot receive the Spirit, but you know Him, He says. Well, how do the disciples know the Spirit? Well, because the Spirit dwells with you, Jesus says. And Jesus is saying that while you were in my presence… You knew the Spirit because the Spirit was in me. 
And because the Spirit was with me and I was with you, the Spirit was with you at the same time. But now that Spirit is not going to be with you that is in me and I in your presence, but the Spirit is going to be in you so that with the presence of the Spirit, Christ is coming back to his church. The church is never without the Lord Jesus Christ. It had the physical presence of Christ while he was on earth, and we now have the spiritual presence of Christ while Christ is in heaven through the Spirit. Now, what does this mean? It's an important question because we need Christ. We are not saved by our thoughts of Christ, by our reflection on Christ. It is Christ and Christ alone who saves us. And so we need Christ present with us. And the way that Christ is present with us is through the presence of the Holy Spirit, so that Christ never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is always with us through the Spirit whom He has given to dwell within us. Now, what does that mean in terms of the ministry of the Spirit in our lives and in the life of the church? Well, near to where we lived in Scotland, there was a building called the Fern Abbey. It was now a parish church, but it was a very old building and had seen many destructions. One time the roof collapsed and killed 72 people within, but it had been rebuilt since that time. The, the beginning of the building was in the 1300s. It was famous for the Reformation Church because the first Reformation martyr in Scotland, Patrick Hamilton, was an abbot of the monastery that was in that church. And so we would pass by it every week on the way to our worship service. And it was a beautiful building that was wonderfully lit up with floodlights. Those floodlights had caused quite a bit of consternation in the parish because they were purchased with uh, Lottery Scotland money, but that's another story altogether. But the brilliance of the spotlights is that in those very dark winter evenings and nights, you would always be able to see Fern Abbey. You wouldn't see the spotlights, the floodlights at all, because they were well hidden, but you would just see the church in contrast to the darkness with all of its unique shapes and forms. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one whom the Holy Spirit points to. The Holy Spirit's ministry is a floodlight ministry. As he says in, as Jesus says in John 15, 26, which I already quoted, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Or as Jesus says even more clearly in John 16, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, listen to this, 
He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now listen to this. The Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the floodlight ministry of the Spirit. It is to point your attention always to the Lord Jesus Christ. And His work is to teach you, to lead you, to guide you into all truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is the Spirit who highlights the Lord Jesus and says, do you know who this Jesus is? This Christ who has now ascended to heaven. He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who has come in human flesh to work our salvation. He is the victor, the one who has conquered sin and Satan, death and hell, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That's who Jesus is. It's the Spirit who tells us about Christ. And it's the Spirit who tells us not just who Jesus is as the God-man, but tells us what Jesus has come to do. This is the reason that the Son of God came, to take away sins. For this reason the Son of God came, to destroy the works of the devil. And so the Lord Jesus is taught to us by the Spirit as the Spirit highlights that, that Jesus comes as our prophet to teach us the will of God for our salvation as our priest to die for our sins and to continually intercede for us at the right hand of the Father, that he's our king who has subdued us to himself and has conquered all his enemies and our enemies and will preserve us. Everything we need to know about our Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation and for our happiness and continuance in salvation is what the Spirit of God teaches us. Because the Spirit furthers the ministry of Christ, continues to teach us what Christ began to teach His disciples. His disciples weren't ready for all that Christ was going to be able to, was going to teach them. So the Spirit comes and picks up the ministry because He's another just like Christ. He picks up the ministry that Christ left behind and furthers it. The Spirit tells us, guides us into all truth about Jesus. But he doesn't just work on our minds. He works on our hearts. These hard hearts he takes out and he gives us hearts of flesh that are receptive to the Word of God. He convicts us of our sins so that we no longer become self-righteous and self-confident, but we recognize that this Jesus that we've learned about is the Jesus that I need for my salvation. And then he changes my will so that I embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and Sovereign. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. His ministry is always. Do you see Jesus? Look at Him. Don't look at me. Don't come to me. Don't listen to me. I have nothing to say to you except look at Jesus. Learn about who He is. Let me show you His greatness, His magnificence, His wonder, so that you can think of the Holy Spirit as the divine matchmaker, the marriage broker, 
who says to sinners, have you seen Jesus? Isn't he marvelous? And as he says to Jesus, let me introduce you to this sinner who needs you so desperately. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, the sinner and the Savior are brought together in mutual love and marriage. That's the work of the Spirit. And you can tell whether a church is a Spirit-filled church, not because it's speaking in tongues, whatever they are, or doing miracles, or having words of knowledge and prophecy, as some people would make you, lead you to think that that's the work of the Spirit. No, you know a church is a Spirit-filled church when Christ, the God-man, the Redeemer, has the supremacy in the church because that's the passion of the Spirit to lead us to Christ so that we love him and serve him and adore him and worship him both now and forever. Now, how does the Spirit do this? Well, the Spirit does it, first of all, by inspiring the Word of God. We believe that this Bible is God-breathed, that holy men, chosen men, were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Scriptures so that they come to us without error. And what do the Scriptures primarily teach us? It's all about the Lord Jesus. Psalms and prophets and law, Jesus said, they all testify of me. So the Spirit, He gives us the Word by inspiration. The Spirit is the one who opens up our mind and our spiritual ears and eyes so that we hear and see Jesus in the Scriptures. He illuminates us. That's the work of the Spirit in our lives. And then the Spirit raises up men to be ministers of the gospel and missionaries of the cross and calls women to be missionaries of the cross so that among the nations, Christ and him crucified might be proclaimed so that the Lord Jesus would gather a church by his word and spirit to himself so that they might be where he is in order that they might see for all eternity his glory. The Spirit is so self-effacing. He doesn't draw attention to himself. He's happy to be in the background. He's sad when you don't go where he's pointing you to, when, he, when you do not embrace the glorious Christ and love and serve and honor him. That's the Spirit's passion. It's to bring you to the Savior. You know, without the Spirit, we would be lost, dead in our transgressions and sins, without God, without hope in this world. Why? Because without the ministry of the Spirit, Christ himself is inaccessible to us. We cannot reach him. It's the Spirit who brings him to us. Without the work of the Spirit, we would be at such a distance from Christ that we would never participate in the benefits of Christ's work. And so we depend on the Spirit of God for our salvation. That's why we worship not only the Father and the Son, 
It's why we worship the Spirit as well. It's why we love the Spirit of God as the great gift of the ascended Christ, because without the Spirit, we would be so thoroughly lost. The Spirit has come to bring us to Christ. So do you glory in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love Him, serve Him, and worship Him? Do you treasure Him? And you might say, well, to a degree, yes, not as much as He deserves to be treasured. Indeed, not as much as I wish I treasured Him. But if you can say, yes, you do treasure Christ, you trusted Him, to be your only mediator, to take away your sins, to reconcile you to the Father. And you're enamored with him. You find him wonderful and the contemplation of him so refreshing to your soul. If you can do that, it's because you have the Spirit. The Father has given him to you. The Spirit is in you. And if not, well, then you need to do what the Apostle Peter told his hearers to do on the day of Pentecost. Repent for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that is, Christ will be in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray together. Merciful God and Father in heaven, we thank you for the Spirit of the living God. We thank you for the way he was upon our Lord Jesus Christ and empowered him for his ministry. We thank you that he is another like the Lord Jesus so that in having the Spirit, we have the Lord Jesus with us. Indeed, because of the Spirit, we have the Lord Jesus with us in a a way better than the disciples had the Lord Jesus with them. So help us to understand these things. We confess that these are big truths, that this was uh, not an easy sermon for us to grasp, but we ask that the Spirit would guide us into all truth, that He would teach us the things that we ought to know, and above all, that He would teach us the privileges that we have in having the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Sovereign. We pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, that his work would be fuller, deeper, multiplying, so that our love and affection for the Lord Jesus would be fuller, deeper, and multiplied as well, so that he would receive the glory, because he is worthy as the Lamb of God. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen.